Should I get bangs? I'm your host, Julie Rossi. And today's guest is Gabe Leadman. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, Gabe, what don't you do? First of all, I feel like you write on a 10,000 shows at once. Is that I write on 10,000 shows at once? It's so uh-huh. fun. Uh, what <laughs> what else do I do? I cook. I sleep. I walk my dog. <laughs> Great life. There's some stuff I don't do, I'm sure. I don't juggle. I don't sing. Yes. But you wrote, I mean, Pen15, one of my favorite shows, Brooklyn 999. Wait, 99. Yeah. Do we have any nines? Just two. Just but two. Okay. You could use a third. I always, sometimes I try to combine Brooklyn 99 and Takashi. Six, six nine. nine yeah <laughs> and i'm like it could be a new remake called takashi brooklyn that's what they should be doing six, for nine, their final nine. season they should yeah. just mash it up and go rap <laughs> and then you have your own show right yes it's coming the it's cartoon. coming yes it's it's an animated show it's called q force mm-hmm. and it's like a gay james bond i mean kinda yeah babe, action a- comedy what a fun, I mean, I'm, I'm making assumptions that your life is fun, but it sounds so fun. <laughs> it is really fun. It's really, it's <laughs> like lucky and fun. And it's crazy that I get to do this for a living. That's what I yeah. honestly think. It's like, it's just lucky a weird or hard work. <sighs> it's both. Like there are so many people who work so hard and don't work on a million shows, you know? So it's like, there's, there's, yeah. there, that's in the mix. Like I know a million people who are, I think just as funny as me and work just as hard. Um, there's gotta be luck involved. There just has to be. Yeah. Timing. Timing. No, I also think it's not the film, but the idea, a, a social network. I really think that that is, has been a lot of my luck is like, As you know, as a comic, you have your comic friends and people pop at different times. And it was like I had comic friends who popped and got their own shows and, you know, hired me to write for them. And that really happened. I mean, social network now, I don't even know what that means. I hardly leave the house. So it doesn't exist. Who are my friends? The people who like my tweets? Uh, I don't know half of them. They don't have names. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's a very strange rare time well you i well i mean i've always known you and i've always adored you uh and but i feel like things got taken to a new level when i tweeted that i preferred twitter over instagram oh yeah and you agreed and you're the only person i know who feels that way watershed moment in our relationship yes Yes. we've known each other forever i've always loved and adored you as well. And yeah, that was when I knew we we are simpatico. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's like if someone doesn't like my words, oh well. Someone yeah. doesn't like my face? That is <sighs> that's something you'll think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like there's something about how Twitter is so stupid. It mm-hmm. goes so fast and everyone is like putting their worst foot forward or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like the opposite of Instagram. Like Instagram is pretty and curated and Twitter is just feral and Yeah, it is feral. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. And well, speaking of nuts, um, you know, and I'm trying to be more conscious about the language I use because I do yeah. say like crazy, insane. And I know that there are people that, but you know, I have mental health issues. So oh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, my husband and others have been like, you're being crazy. Um, and I'm like, yep. I guess, Cause I stopped taking my meds for a couple of months. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of my favorite things and what I talk to people on the show about is, uh, you know, those moments where I feel like we've lost our minds. And I know that you, had a moment during this wonderful pandemic of ours. A big one. I mean, uh, look, I've had a lot of breakdowns in my life. I had plenty of material to choose from when he emailed me about your show. Um, But there was, there was a fresh one. There was one that just is like, I'm still just sort of like just on the other side of right now, this pandemic, we were just talking about this animated show that I created and uh, the pandemic hit like, right in the middle of our writing period. Mm -hmm. And we sort of all, just like the rest of the world, you know, scrambled to go home and stay safe and then try and push through and continue some sort of semblance of work and productivity uh, through the lockdown. And I like lost my mind. I really flipped out. And what does that mean for you? For me, a breakdown is like sobbing. I'm a big uh, sobber. <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, I could do, we could talk for hours. Just, I just did an episode mostly about crying too. Yeah. Another comic. And I mean, as a former New Yorker, oh, I feel yeah. like crying is just part of public crying. Part of I mean, the what DNA. else do you do on the subway? You read a no. book or you cry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you get groped, I guess. Yeah. Or you could read a book and cry at yeah. the same time. <laughs> Lift up your feet for the vomit rolling under and yeah. I remember I once saw this woman on the subway uh, reading um, why men, I forget what the, it's like the book called like why men don't marry bitches or something like that. (laughs) And I was like, put a paper bag over it. You know, like no one's gonna, come on lady. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) She's Um, just waiting for a guy to be like, I marry bitches. Yeah. I want to marry bitch. Um, And yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the amount of I used to read so many self help books on the train, and those were ones where I was like, oh, like I wish I had like those book covers <laughs> like you had for textbooks. Yeah, totally you know? a shopping bag. Yeah, it would be like how to change your life, and I'm just <laughs> sobbing behind the pages. <laughs> but it was so private. Like that's the weird thing about the subway is it's it is public, but also everyone is so has their blinders on in New York. Like no one is really absorbing each other. You really like have a bubble. It's so strange because you're like inches from the next person. Oh yeah. And how did, how would you feel when Showtime would start the dancers? Oh, I, (laughs) okay. It depends on the mood for sure. Sometimes (laughs) you don't want to show. Sometimes you don't want a sneaker whizzing past your face, but I kind of loved it. Like, yeah, I, I kind of always like 
and also like very dorkily like made a show of like I'm putting down my book and I'm going to absorb your art and I'm going oh, to give yeah. you the change in my pocket like yeah, yeah. I'm a good audience member it was weird like I liked the show and I yeah I liked the the dance obviously the break dancers were legendary flipping around the poles and stuff but I like loved the mariachi bands mm, I think that was my flavor of yeah. The subway car is going to have a show right now. Yeah. That, I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I think op- I'm opposite. Uh, opposite. I, <laughs> there. I, 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 sometimes I liked it. I didn't like it when they didn't take into consideration, not the mariachi band. I always, the mariachi band always got a pass for me. The break dancers when there, it was too crowded mm-hmm. and it yeah. was like rush hour. And it was truly like, you are going to kick a child in the head. Right. <laughs> that gave me a lot of anxiety. And then if like the train paused underground and now you're stuck with these dancers that you didn't give any money to. And yeah. It just, it was a lot. One time I had a guy play saxophone in my face and I was having like a really bad day. And I very nicely said, can you please, like, cause the saxophone, the end of the horn was like <laughs> in my face. And I very nicely, I go, sir, can you please not play it right in front of me? And he kept playing. He moved away, but he kept playing. And then, you know, he did his speech, like, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. And then as he walked out, he whispered, if I had a gun, I would fucking kill you. And then he walked out. I wanted to be like, you guys, he just threatened. But like, I just, you know, I'm still here today. Yeah, he didn't have a gun. (laughs) Just happenstance. He could have had a gun. He could have gotten one. What a tangent. We were talking about your breakdown. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) so for me it's sobbing it's sobbing so it was a lot of like okay we're gonna zoom for 20 minutes and then oops i'm getting a phone call everyone let's take a break and then like me just like heaving sobbing trying to while you were at work oh yeah i don't think anyone fully knew if they did they were good at uh (laughs) ignoring it i wasn't crying they know now they They know they'll know now absolutely (laughs) but yeah a lot of just like heavy crying and feeling sorry for myself and like wow beating myself up it was it it was bad i mean my husband saw all of it yeah (laughs) for sure and wait, but, so what What were you feeling sorry for yourself about? And what were you beating yourself up about? I was feeling, I mean, it sounds so bratty, but it was like, I was feeling sorry for myself because there was something about the beginning of the pandemic that almost felt like a snow day. Yeah. Or something where it was like, okay, there's this really terrifying thing going on in the world. So we're all just going to retreat and put on our sweats and you know the first couple of weeks we're going to make some bread and we're going to watch mm-hmm. the tiger king uh-huh. <laughs> and it felt like a little bit like kind of cozy or something even though obviously this is such a horrible thing to say because people were dying and yes. a lot of people still had to go to work outside of their homes but there was um i felt like so, like you know this like bratty self pity that like I saw to soldier on and like um, try and make jokes and tell these like goofy stories and make an animated show. Like this thing that's felt very unimportant globally, like still had to happen. And I didn't get to like kind of absorb that the world was like plunging into mm-hmm. this dark place. Like I felt like if I really started to like, 
feel the weight of the pandemic and like the world stopping down. If I, I felt like if I stopped down, then like 200 people were going to lose their jobs. So mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, I don't get to like be weird like everyone else yeah. right now. It feels like if I fuck up, if I trip, if I turn in something late, then all these other people are affected by like my weakness. So I have to pretend there is no pandemic and we're showing up at 10 a.m. on Zoom and we're going to crack jokes about gay James Bond and we're going to do this thing, you know? And like, I felt like I had to keep the energy up and that I couldn't like take a snow day, even though we were all going through something really scary and weird. Yeah. And, and so that was the, and then, but then why were you, why were you also beating yourself up at the same time? Well, I was also beating myself up because like, I think now we have a little bit of perspective, but like you, like it's kind of, it's very unreasonable to expect yourself to be as funny or productive mm-hmm. in lockdown as you would be in a, you know, more carefree, free environment, or even with little breaks and, you know, like, I felt, you know, it was like we weren't making as funny jokes. I felt like I couldn't keep track of, like, what stories are we trying to tell? Is this an important show? Is this a good show? Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like my work was, like, coming in at, like, a 60 out of 100. And Mm -hmm. it was because I was, like, I think burning so much mental energy on, A, being afraid of, like, getting this disease. Like, it you know, I mean, remember the first bunch of months, like, yeah, people didn't really know how you got it and what you could do, and, and it was twenty four seven news. <laughs> yeah, well, it was twenty four seven news, and we hadn't settled in yet. And it was yeah. like, if you get mail, spray it with bleach and leave it yeah. in front of your front door for two days, and then bring it. Really just shit like that. That's like we know now isn't exactly true, but like there was all of that, and then yeah, I was just like, I felt like I was just given this crazy opportunity, you have your show on Netflix, you, you know, you pitched it for a year, you wrote it for a year. It's finally happening. You got to choose your team. They're drawing all the characters, you know, like this golden opportunity. And then here I am like sobbing my eyes out Mm. being like, I don't know. Does he, uh, does he jump off the building or does he say something about a drag queen? I don't fucking know. Like, just being like, I can't deliver on this. I just don't, don't have it in me to deliver on this. And so, I'm going to look back and be embarrassed about this show. So how, so, okay. So how often were you pausing work to lose your shit a day? Like two or three times really? a day. Yeah. And, and no and one like, was like, why are you getting so many phone calls? <laughs> no, it would be like, okay, let's take lunch meet back in an hour and then like lunch would be like me in the kitchen, like bracing myself on the sink, like, (gasps) or, you know, yeah, I could work it into the, to the workflow of the day. And I don't think I looked that puffy crazy, but maybe I did. There was a few times where like, I found myself having to give like kind of like pep talks to everyone or like, Mm. I felt like, you know, who I was talking to every day were like these, eight writers who I had like chosen and wanted to foster and a lot of like, you know, new writers and um, 
I felt like I have to make sure they're not freaking out the way I'm freaking out. So like, let's just, you know, show up for work every day. I'll have a plan. We'll do the plan. And then that's all they have to worry about. And that kind of made me give these like pep talks, like we're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. We're like, we're going to figure out how to, you know, record everything. We'll figure out how to punch up the scripts. Like we'll figure out how to do a whiteboard online and all of that shit giving these pep talks. And I do remember one of the young writers, Liza Dye, who's another stand-up comic you might know, being like, hey, Gabe, are you about to cry? And just having to be like, I am. Yeah, I'm about to cry. (laughs) That was the only time I remember it being called out, just like Liza kind of like in either hearing it in my voice or just knowing me well enough to be like, I think you're kind of giving a pep talk to yourself and are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it wasn't just, you know... I mean, I think for most people, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was, you know, this sort of boiling point of this political shit. Yeah. And then all the protests and the not knowing and the 24-hour news. And it was just like nothing any of us have ever experienced before. And I imagine a lot of people, I know I can relate to that feeling of like, is what I do even important? Because like, it felt, you know, I was watching um, uh, Andre's Oh, I forget the you know the chef that goes to like oh, oh yes 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 was Jose is this Jose Andres? Jose Andres yeah yeah like I'm watching him and I'm like, am I really gonna go back to telling like jokes about? I don't even know what I tell. I don't even know what I tell jokes about anymore. <laughs> I don't even know who I am anymore. But yeah. I like I know. I think that feeling is very relatable, especially you know when you're doing comedy or art because it does. But then you have to remember, and and hopefully you have remembered this since, like the stuff that I really enjoyed consuming during the pandemic and still um, is some of the stuff that just like was pure laughs, like pure silly, like, like I just, I just finished watching the Eric Andre movie. I haven't watched it yet. I'm excited. It is. I mean, I had to leave the room to pee twice. It's just <laughs> funny. Like, yeah. do you, it's, I, I don't think, I mean, I haven't, I have like five minutes left, but I don't think it has a big, like, revolutionary social justice message. It's just fucking hilarious. Right. And you forget, I, I think it's easy to forget how important that is. Yeah, 100%. And like, during this pandemic, I have consumed more, I've always been a television and movie watcher. Like, mm-hmm always like enjoyed watching stuff and watched probably more than a lot of people. I have consumed so much during this pandemic. Like I have watched millions of minutes, hours of television and it's really helped. And it really like, I get why when you have a chance to make a TV show, you make it and you have fun and you make sure it's fun and you realize what a gift you've been given um because yeah there's people out there in all sorts of different uh states of mind who want to just turn it on and either pay attention or not but get some like comfort and some joy out of it i totally get that so is like is you know i mean i know this position was i know this was a unique situation cuz one pandemic but two you were literally in charge the project is all on your shoulders essentially yeah. but have you had other moments in your life where you felt like you had to sort of 
I mean, I don't want to say lie about how you were feeling, but, you know, it sort of reminds me of, I imagine like a lot of parents probably felt how you did, who had to like fake it through homeschool and be like, everything's going to be okay. And then like go in their car and be like, ah, you know, Yeah. and I think that even without the pandemic, we all have moments where we have to do that. So have you had, is that like a reoccurring thing that you've had in your life? It definitely is. That's a huge like theme in my therapy journey, like (laughs) major middle kid stuff in like, Oh, okay. Like a major like peacekeeper, like everyone else can flip out, but I'll keep this family together if I and just it's a middle child habit. Yeah. I, or at least that's how the, that's how it played out for me. And like, yeah, the sort of like letting um, other people be way more emotional than me. And just sort of like, mm. if I can, if I can just keep this dinner chill, this family's going to get to tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, And yeah, that involves like definitely eating a lot of your feelings and sort of like, like making sure other people are okay before you make sure you're okay is a big, big thing for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. And I definitely, um, was between therapists or still am between therapists during all this. Like, Oh God, it was like really weird, bad timing, but was in therapy for a long time then was like, you know, I've been living in LA now for like um, eight years or so, but was still talking to my New York therapist on the phone for a lot of that. And it was like, not right before the pandemic, but that's maybe like six months before that. I was like, okay, I think I actually need to find an LA therapist. Like phone therapy was great. I'm sure it serves a great purpose for a lot of people, but like been with that guy for a long time and was like, Oh, I'm not like going very deep with him when I'm just sitting in my car Mm -hmm. talking to him on the phone. Like I think I need to be face to face with someone to be a little more honest. So was like, okay, I'm going to find an LA therapist. And then had like one session with a a person here and then it was locked down. Oh God. And we like tried like our second session kind of on FaceTime. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I can like start with someone new on FaceTime while I'm having a meltdown. Yeah, and so you went back to the old therapist? No, I just fucking raw docked it. <laughs> oh no, while you were go So how did you cope with what like how did you get through cuz are you done or no? Are you still working? The show um oh, I mean my I think my my breakdown is done. I feel a lot better. Okay, yeah. Wait, <laughs> the show you- is like um animation takes so long, so it's like mm-hmm. the writers room has been done for I think we were done like in June of last year, like just a couple of months in the lockdown, but then the animation, the recording and the animation has gone on for this whole year. And right now, like the show comes out in June, we're almost done. Like we're putting the music in it now and, you know, finishing animation, but it's not as full-time crazy for me. And so how did you get through till June? I mean, were you breaking down the entire time? I was breaking down pretty hard for like, I would say the first like month or six weeks. And then it really, it was really like seeing, it was kind of like finding the empathy that I had for everyone else when like they would send me their rewrites and their jokes. And I'd be like, okay, I think maybe if it wasn't a lockdown, you could have probably 
done better than this or whatever, like sort of giving everyone else a pass every single day and being like, well, it's a, it's a lockdown. I'll just fix it or whatever. Um, Realizing that I had that empathy for like other people, but not myself. Mm -hmm. It was like finally being like, okay, right. Like if everyone gets to be about 60% right now, like, so do you. Yeah. You know, it's like Netflix already didn't shut us down. Like we've already made our, some of our deadlines. It seems like the train's on the tracks. Like, I think I can like breathe now. And I think we finished it a little stronger. And and that's not to shit on everyone else's work. Like I, that came out a little bit <laughs> judgmental or wrong, but it's like, everyone was doing great considering the circumstances. And I think the show turned out really well, but like, I think I'll always be haunted by like the what if of like, what would this show have been if we weren't like plunged into death and chaos? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't even, it, you know, one of the things that I think is so remarkable, I think that's the word I want to use about this past year is I feel like there's all these new categories of people. So there's um, I'm in the, the, I had a baby during the pandemic yeah. category and there's a bunch of people that only, under like nobody else understands that but us because I don't people are like what's it like being a new mom I'm like well I don't I have no idea what to compare because like I don't know what it would have been like in quote-unquote normal times yeah like there's people who uh, I have a very someone I'm very close with who got um I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before obviously I'm obsessed with the story if I have they filed for divorce the day before lockdown was announced <laughs> and had to live with their ex. Okay, that's a movie. Yep. Uh, and I already claimed. Okay, good. Yes, but I, I don't really. I don't really know what the story is because it's still unfolding. You know, like my niece missed out on her on her freshman year of high school. Wow. Um. You know, there's people who you know experienced death during the pandemic. There's people who got like their dream job job during the pandemic. Like, there's so many interesting categories of people that are going to come out of this that are like new. I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to see if it makes people uh, connect and relate with people that they would have never, like maybe I'm going to relate now to a new parent who has like completely different views than me on everything. But because we shared that, that's like a new common thing that we have. Yeah. Um, And so what you went through, you know, maybe it wasn't like a a TV writer, but I'm sure there's somebody who like started a business. Like think of all the people that fucking opened a restaurant. I know. God. The fucking week before. Yeah. (sighs) It's, it's crazy. Like, I think it's going to be like, or I like, I'm actually like, hopeful that we'll be still talking about this period for the next five to 10 years. Like every once in a while, I'm like, are we going to just snap out of it and just go back to normal and then be like, Oh wait, remember that fucking weird year? Yeah. Like sat in our sweatpants and you had a kid. Um, (laughs) But like, (laughs) are we going to snap out of it or is this going to change us forever? And I like part of me right now, like kind of yearns, I want it to change us forever because there's just so much weight to this all. Like, I hope it doesn't just seem like a blip, but I don't know how it can't change you forever. I mean, it, it's tricky. I mean, obviously we don't know the answer to that. Like it's tricky because you still saw people be assholes. Yeah. And I guess those people are, 
just assholes. And, you know, but I, I think for the, the common person, you know, everyone I know has changed in some way, whether it's definitely a lot of appearance changes I've seen, which I've loved. Yeah. I feel like people are like, fuck it when it comes to like their style. And like, it was, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm getting very overwhelmed, like reacquainting myself with my going, leaving the house clothes. I'm oh like, my God. Like, where have you been? Yes. You know, and <laughs> just like, like I got like really dressed up to like go, I don't even know where we went, like to go pick up something. And I was like, I'm going to put on shoes, you know, like, <laughs> and I don't know, but I mean, in a, in a grander way, I know for myself, my perspective has changed in that I do not want to waste any time doing anything that I don't truly want to do. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't yeah. truly want to, I don't know, go to the fucking mechanic. Like, I don't mean that, but I just mean, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I know for myself in the entertainment business, I've unfortunately wasted a lot of time doing things because I thought they'd lead to X result, yeah. doing things because of my ego, doing things because I didn't want to be left out, doing things because I thought, well, that person did this and I guess I should do and like not yeah. completely ignoring that voice inside of me, like my original mission statement of why I wanted to be creative in the first place. Yes. And between the pandemic and also now having having limited time because I have a child, like I'm like, okay, my time, like I want to really know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I totally hear that. And I also like don't want to give up the stuff I now know is so important. Like, yes, I used I just, I love cooking and like my husband loves cooking and I love eating, but it was like, I would let anything get in the way of like grocery shopping or making dinner, even being home for dinner. It was like, you know, just stuff like that where I'm like, oh, I I don't know if I'm like ready to stop having five home cooked meals at home and dinner at home comfy and just stuff like that. Um, But does that have to stop? I hope not. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, and and again, you know, maybe our situation is a little bit different than other people because that's something I've always envied about people who don't work in entertainment. And again, I don't want to sound like poor me, like I have a fun job, but, (laughs) but I do not know how, I don't know if I can go back to working at night. That's the thing is like, yeah, the well, the stand up, you know, the stand up schedule naturally is a night job. Yeah, and I've never liked the schedule. Me neither, and I've also never like I've pushed myself to tour some or like jump, you know, open for so and so or get into so- such and such a festival, um, and I never like it <laughs> at all. So it's like. I think I can finally probably say goodbye to that a little bit, like in my, in my heart and like booking a lot of spots, even though I know I don't have new material just to feel like, okay, I need people to know I exist as a comedian. I can't disappear for X number of weeks, months or a year or whatever. I don't feel like I feel that way anymore. It's been interesting to see like comics have to sort of redefine or like, there's, I'm sure there's a million comics who did not want this time off 
have had a really hard time paying their bills and all of that. But there's also got to be some comics out there who are like, oh, like I'm still a comic, even though I'm not doing that grind. And maybe they, yep. And have new material maybe even or not or whatever. It's like, yeah. yeah. I'm trying really hard. My, my best friend from home, Maria, uh, we just had like one of the, like, best conversations a few days ago and and not to get into her story, but we, we both tend to talk a lot about purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, cause even though I've always, I've done, I've been involved in comedy for a long time. I've also always, I've, I've switched my focus a lot. I've made really grand statements about like what I was going to do next, or I was going to quit this or, you know, but I, there's just, I don't know. There, there, like I don't, I'm not always satisfied and, and the sort of following what I thought was like step one, step two, step three in this business, like never made me happy. And, and she's, her therapist told her that like, whenever you have these sort of moments, whether it's like a breakdown or, cause I'm having like, I wouldn't say an identity crisis that seems so dramatic, but mm-hmm. it is a, an identity reflection And instead of sort of saying like, I'm done performing live or I'm going to do this next, I'm just uh, taking this feeling as a clue. And I love that she described it as that. She's like, it's just a clue that like something isn't working. And so I feel like I'm stealing her realization, but she'll, (laughs) she listens to the pod. She shout out Maria. Um, But it, that it's a clue about, shifting something in your life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be career wise. It could be, you know, relationship or whatever. And to call it a clue took so much pressure off of it. And so like today, a friend was like, Oh, I'm doing this show outside. Do you want to do it? And as of two days ago, I said to my husband, I was like, there is no fucking way that I'm getting off this couch and going to do stand up. I go to bed at nine 30, you know? Yeah. And then I was, I was asked to do a show and I was like, yeah, I, you know, let me know, let me know when it is. I think I would like to do it. But depends on the day. And like, I'm trying to not, I don't know, panic about what's next because the pandemic definitely taught me that like, you don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. And time means something different than we thought it did. Yeah. Like that this whole year passed. I mean, again, you have a kid <laughs> to show for <laughs> it, but it's like a lot of people just like paused. Yeah. I mean, I I pa- I mean, I took care of my kid and someone made a joke. I-, I said something once of like, I haven't been very productive. And someone's like, you literally created a human. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And right. I mean, that it, it was kind of great timing. Yeah. Because I didn't have a lot of, I'm- I almost hate that things are opening up again because I'm-, I'm starting to feel a little bit of that FOMO comeback of like, should I be? And during the pandemic, I there was nothing to be jealous of. Yeah. And so I was so present. And I really want to carry that with me. I'm getting anxious about the world opening up, too. And like the obligations and like, yeah, this like. But you have a choice. But you have a choice. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to have to remind yourself that you yeah. have a choice? <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah, totally. It never felt like it before, though. Yeah, I mean, you could choose to, you know, you were talking about, like, disappear. Like, you could, we could choose. We could choose to have no Instagram and Twitter. We could choose to perform every night of the week or never perform again. You know, you could choose to keep go to par- every party you're invited to or be really selective. And and 
like it's it's okay like I don't know I, I what I hope continues from the pandemic is I feel like people were so understanding if you didn't feel like talking on the phone yeah if you weren't comfortable going for a walk masked you know like everyone was like oh like you know I don't know there was just a lot of at least I found from I've always had very understanding people in my life but I felt like it got bumped up a hundred percent where it was like, I don't know why I'm being weird. They're like, you're not being weird. It's a pandemic, you know? And yeah. I hope that sort of understanding and sensitivity continues because we're actually feeling that way all the time. 100%. Yeah. I hope so too. It's like, I've always like wanted to be let, let off the hook socially. Like <laughs> I can't, I am like, I would definitely, if I had, if I fully exercised my choice, I would be pretty antisocial and Uh like that. I know that that eventually gets old for me and like leads to depression and stuff. So like I do make an effort to like not fully get to that side, like full hermithood or whatever. But I do hope, but like I definitely like overcompensated a bit and felt really obligated to be like, present for stuff and make plans and say yes if you were invited anywhere and yeah it's like time to split the difference a little bit for sure did you find that because uh, I have felt that way as well but but sometimes the reason why I overextend myself is because I do like when I say to people we should get coffee sometime I really mean it yes. because I I truly love people and I love talking to people and I I like it's it's pretty easy for me to like people like I'm not too if you like me that's the number one aspect of looking for other people you like me I like you you know and but then I but then when I step back I'm like I can't have 500 friends no you can't keep up with them you can't and it it takes away from some of the solid ones too you know and it takes away from yourself like when do you have a fucking second to hang out with yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you were breaking down through this <laughs> job. Um, so what would your husband, like, what was your husband's, what's the dynamic like there as far as when you are losing your shit? He's like very sweet, very understanding. He gives me a lot of leeway. Like he's not the like tough love type. He's the mm-hmm. like, I know type, you know, which is like very good for me. I hate, I don't want like cold water. Spl- I don't want, I don't want to snap out of it or whatever. It's like, yeah, I want to feel your feelings and then get, you know, find the light at the end of the tunnel is how I feel. He was like a good witness to it. Um, he was really good at just reminding me that what the pandemic was like, he was like a really good voice of reason to be like, there's something crazy going on right now. Like, yeah, people are distracted. You're distracted. Like, this show is not the most important thing in the world. Like, you have to give yourself some slack. You have to give everyone else a lot of slack. And, um, you know, like, he sort of, like, just sort of bore witness to it, I guess. Like, he was just, like, sort of there with me for it. Do you remember the first time you lost your shit in front of him? In our relationship? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, We were long distance for like the first bunch of years that we were together. He's Canadian. 
Okay. And we met online and we were like long distance dating back and forth from Canada to LA. And I definitely, like, like I said, I'm a crier and like had a, <laughs> I mean, another like work related, overly stressed meltdown on the phone, like was working a job that like just had crazy hours. Like would just, we would just be at the office until like midnight every night. No, I had no. like no, no food in my fridge, no social life, you know, like just, it was, you know, and I just remember um, having like a kind of like personal incident with a coworker and just breaking down and being like, I don't think I can work here anymore. And he was like, so don't. And it was like, right. Yeah. I'm Did not you gonna quit? Work. Yeah. Yeah. I like left after that. I mean, not like didn't go in the next day and quit, but was like, I'm not coming back if the show continues and didn't. So you never felt like he's been, cause I, I think one of, I love that you said feel, you know, to feel your feelings. Cause it's definitely something a lot of people are taught to not do. Yeah. Um, I think especially men and I think especially, I mean, and women is, but also like in business in work, you know, it's a very like toughen up kind of, uh, I think lesson that we're yeah. taught. And I think one of, I never, I, I learned in the past few years how, uh, unhealthy it is to tell people like, Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, calm down. It's fine. It's fine. Like I never realized how damaging that really is. Cause then you're like, Oh yeah, I guess I'm just being insane. Right. And it's like, no, it's, it's very normal to be upset. Yeah. It's okay to be upset about stuff. Yeah. He's great about that. And he's also, he happens to be a poet. So I think he's like a little <laughs> tapped in <laughs> to the emotions in a way like that maybe even comics are not usually like, Oh my God. I love that you're married to a poet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's a sensitive guy. He knows it. He knows what's up. Yeah. He's a poet and he know, knows it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You, can, <laughs> hey, you can cancel the pod. Um, <laughs> wow. And so is your, like, you know, and you don't have to share anything you don't want to. I can always edit it out. But like, you know, you said that you have sort of been this way since you were younger and in your family dynamics. So where did you also not emote? So when, when did this switch happen where you went from not really emoting to being sort of connected to feeling? That's a great question. No, I was, I did not emote as a kid. Like I was like very, I mean, my emotions would come out as like almost like a temper. Like I would get bitchy or like mm -hmm. I would get, I was like a little mean. I would snap, but that was like whatever emotions I was trying to bury, like coming out as like a little like lash out or whatever. Um, but I wasn't like good at like expressing myself. I wasn't like, I mean, I, it all changed like in my twenties and now I'm like, did, was it when I came out? Like, Oh, I may have been that, that like, I really was not trying to share myself like on that personal level. And also probably was just like a little bit emotionally cut off. I mean, it's really like, what it felt like to me was that everyone else in my family was like very loud and very big with their emotions. So I felt like almost like I had to like run interference for everyone else. Cause they were such powder kegs. Like 
Mm. It felt like I needed to like sort of diffuse the situation always. So like be the calm one, but like, obviously I was a kid and then a teen, like I had plenty of emotions and thoughts about shit. I just was kind of keeping it to myself until like I would snap and be mean. Did you keep a journal just because you're a writer now? No, No, I have never been a journal or diary person. Okay. I kind of wish I was, but I have like no record of anything. I don't know. I, I, I just found my box of journals and I'm like, what the fuck do I do with these? Like, I, <laughs> like, I don't want anyone. It's so funny because when I was younger, I was like desperate for someone to read them. So they could just <laughs> see how much pain I was in, you yeah. know? Like, so, and now I'm like, I don't know. Do I burn, like, do I burn them? Do I give them to my daughter? Like, I think she'd be worried about me if she read them. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with them, but, uh, but you, you know, you said it was before, you know, you had this sort of temper or whatever before you came out. I mean, uh, you know, this isn't true for all cases, but so many times people are angry, violent, uh, you know, t- have a hot temper when they're hot, like burying something, yeah. you know, like I think of, I mean, I know a lot of politicians are just white supremacists and pieces of shit, but some of them I'm like, okay, like what's, what's going what, on you here? Hate, okay. You hate your, like get a divorce, right. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it, it, go, go be a, a cowboy or whatever it is your dream. Like, I feel like when people repress their true, um, because yeah. so I was married before and it was a lovely marriage. There was nothing wrong. It's just I I was I wasn't ready to get married. I also I like kind of like I guess I quit comedy. I moved to the suburbs of Bo- like I was trying to <laughs> sort of I was almost trying to go like conversion therapy <laughs> myself into being a normal quote unquote non-entertainment person right yeah. uh, this is like late late 2000 uh, like 2007 or whatever and um i would get drunk and just always like try to fight a cab that you know <laughs> was in the crosswalk in new york or yeah. like got like if a guy was like even slightly rude to me at a bar i would just be like oh you think like i was so I don't know that I was really trying to start fights like physically, but like I was always yelling at people and I had, I was so fucking like just rude yeah. because I was so mis I was, I was so being dishonest. I was planning a wedding that I did not want to have. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I that's, know that's not as major. I, I don't mean to. No, I was going to say that sounds exactly like that just really <laughs> rings a bell. Like I wasn't planning a wedding, but like, no, that was like furious all the time. I yeah. was ready to snap. I was a bitch. Because you're lying. Because I was lying. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, just dragging that around. And then I think of my 20s when I was out and I had friends who I was honest with and it was so fun. I don't think I was such a bitch anymore. Yeah. Wow. So the cry, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I've cried at work and I think everyone has cried, but it is very different on Zoom because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've gotten up and used the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've, I've definitely cried at work throughout <laughs> my entire career, but it's usually like, oh, I, I think I forgot my uh, water bottle in my car or whatever. Yeah. You go, you take a 15 minute break, you cry it out, wash your face, come back. Um, yeah, this was very much like more 
constant, <laughs> more constant than that. And then also the like, and now I have to lead the conversation. Like you can't like just come back with like pink eyes and sort of cross your arms and sit in the back. It's like, yeah, okay, now all eyes on you and let's make a joke. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I just keep thinking about parents for some reason. I oh just my feel God. like that's really relatable to parents who are homeschooling. Well, I think it's because I had a couple friends who would call me from their car during the pandemic and being like, I'm in my car right now. I don't know how to do long division. Yeah. <laughs> I'm losing my mind, but I have to tell my kid everything's going to be, you know, like yeah. they were just so like, talk about a fucking happy face that you have to put on when I mean, you just can't. How, how honest could parents even be about the virus? Like I know my niece and nephew, like, knew the name of the coronavirus and that you have to avoid it. And that's why we're not going to school and stuff. And like, you know, all of that, but like, how do you not just snap and be like, shut up about your granola bar. Like there's millions of people who like can't <laughs> breathe. Like, Oh God. And I know them those kids like, yeah, to think especially the younger ones, like they probably it almost feels like a punishment because they can't hang out with their friends. Yeah, my God. They don't understand. And to say, like, when is this going to end? I mean, I feel I, I feel guilty. I don't know why I feel guilty that this is I had a positive thing happen. But I'm like, thank God I had a child who has no she doesn't have. I mean, she's starting to get friends. But, right. you know, like she she just needed to be changed and fed. And that's all she needed. And there was no you know, what, how long is this going to go on? If she had said that, I would have been like, my baby's a genius. And, (laughs) uh, but you know, I, my heart goes out to anyone who experienced, you know, I mean, this whole year was like, it was collective grief and you had no time to grieve at work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm lucky. Like none of my family members died, you know, like, but yeah, it was like, I felt like, one of the things I just kept, I remember thinking over and over again, is like, I'm like, I'm not getting the time to absorb this the way other people are. Yeah. And if I do, then I'm gonna like ruin people's lives. I was so stressed out about everyone else getting laid off. That was like huge for me. Yeah. That's a huge responsibility, Gabe. Yeah. But they did and- and we made they it through. They didn't. Yeah. And then your show comes out in June. So everyone should watch it. <laughs> and it is funny, even though I made it sound like it's not funny. It's totally funny. No, I think it's, I mean, it sounds amazing. Uh, I mean, is that, I guess that's probably what you want to plug, right? Is your show or? Yeah, it's called Key Force. It's coming to Netflix in June. I don't know the exact date yet, but I will tweet it once I do for sure. Yeah. And, and I will retweet it. Um, and <laughs> I also, I wanted to say this earlier, just an FYI for finding a therapist in Los Angeles. Yes. Have you found that? Cause in New York, I felt like I would like, you know, go on like psychology today and I'd look at the bios and it was like, just a lot of like nice New York looking Jewish women with scarves, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, and then <laughs> favorite therapist in LA not all like I found a great one but so many of them had like videos and headshots and it was very like I don't know it's a different vibe yes I mean I definitely did the like psychology today like Mm -hmm. list of you know therapists in in LA and like click through and then I eventually like had one or two sessions with a friend's 
therapist who, yeah. you, you know, they really recommended her. Um, but she was, she was not very LA. Like I would say she had major East coast vibes. Oh, good. Um, I mean, she was a tough ass, which is, but, which I like. But it is very tender. Yeah. <laughs> like I, there was one guy that I came across and I know uh, I, I had to take a screenshot of his photo. He was wearing like a, this, he wasn't very LA. He was wearing like a vest and a button down, but he seemed way too young to be right. <laughs> like it was like a cow, like a cowboy sort like a Western vest. Right. He might've had a bordello <laughs> tie. I'm not sure. And I was like, and his like bio was like so sweet, but I was like, I cannot do therapy with someone who dresses like this. Yeah. Like, I will be thinking about the outfit the whole time. Interesting. I once went to a hypnotherapist to try and quit smoking and he had like a really, really rough wig <laughs> on his head. And like, I know I never <laughs> felt fully under the hypnosis because the whole time I was just like, this fucking wig yeah. is crazy. It's so funny because my sis- my sister's a therapist. She sometimes, she might come on at the end of the show and, and sort of like gives a little insight. And, cool. uh, and it's really funny because she has her therapist clothes and then like, I'll, I'll like give her, you know, like, and I'll be like, Oh, like I always give her a bunch of my clothes. Cause I shop a lot. And she'll be like, Oh, I love it. She's like, I definitely can't wear this to work. And I'm like, why? She's like, it's like, you know, it's like something like, it's not even risque, but it's like the slightest bit that makes sense to me therapist e you know like it's 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 a really it's interesting to me like the whole sort of unspoken dress code of therapists i think it's also like well i know 80 percent of these people are going to fall in love with me because that's how psychology works so i have to <laughs> combat it with oh modesty. fall in love with the therapist yeah i feel like that's such a common oh. thing it's i was not in love with either of my therapists but when I started browsing LA ones, there's so many hot guys who are therapists. And I was like, well, I could never mm. truly open up to that person. I don't think. <laughs> I've never had a male therapist. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I, that makes I've, sense. I, I've thought about it and I'm open to it. It just never really worked. I, I, I've had a lot of my present one not included. It's always been women uh, in their 50s with a lot of scarves. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's like who I need. Yeah. Yeah. My first therapist who I was with for a long, long time was a gay guy. And like, that's how like, I specifically wanted a gay guy because I had it in my head. It kind of was a different time. I think it's probably true, less true now. But like, I was like, I don't want to like explain gay sex to someone. I don't want to like yeah. <laughs> have to say what grinder is. Like, yeah. I just yeah. want to be able to like verbally just be like, blah, you know, and like not think, do they understand what the context is here? So I went with like a gay guy, but then I, it's like gay guys, like don't all use grinder, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it was like this weird assumption, but um, yeah, he was great. And then the, the one I found in LA was, was a lady with scarves. Well, if anyone is listening and they know of a great LA therapist, yes. reach out to the pod and I'll pass along the name to please, Kate. please. Yeah, we could just send you could send the therapist this podcast. That would be you honestly, that's what you should just do is like yeah. send them a clip. So I'm you a, can like I'm mess a stopper. I'm a middle child. Yeah. I'm yeah. gay. That's all you need to know. Married to a poet. <laughs> Figure it out. Thank you so much for being on the show, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Oh. I forgot. Oh. I 
I forgot the I this is my podcast and I forget the last question. Biggest question of the pod. Should I get bangs? Ooh. I mean, look, I love your hair as it is, but I think bangs could be fun. Okay. I think you look good with bangs. Okay. But also right. you look good without bangs. That's a great answer. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, game. Bye. So uh, heads up to everyone listening. I am uh, on the road seeing family, which has been fantastic. So I'm currently recording from a friend's house. My baby might wake up. Their baby might wake up. But I am here with my sister, who is also a therapist, Elena. Welcome to the show. It's been a little while. Yeah. I'm so glad to be back. So glad. I know. we. I just saw you a week ago. So I guess we could have done this in person. But I know. It was weird. This almost feels better. I feel like you should let everyone know that you got a puppy. I have a puppy and this is, she's asleep now, so you can't hear her. But uh, yeah, she, she actually, I didn't even tell you yet, Julia. She came to my first in-person therapy session today and you want to hear something funny. Um, The client was like, this is great. She's going to be a therapy dog. And I was the one getting anxious. So my friend Tracy's like, this is like reverse psychology, legit. Like, because she's like, you need to calm down. I'm okay with the puppy. Relax. Just do your job. Be a therapist. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was like the opposite. Um, I mean, the puppy is great. I mean, I say my dog's a therapy dog, but she's just therapy for me. For everyone else, she's, you know, she barks a lot. But um. So Gabe, this episode was about Gabe and I guess compartmentalizing feelings so he could get through the work day and kind of feeling responsible for other people's feelings and being the peacemaker. There was a lot there. So thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really glad you have someone with that compartmentalizing because this is a frequent question people ask. They're like, you know, like really you know, feelings are difficult at times. So what's, you know, we're trying to not like suppress and ignore our feelings, but there are times where it's okay to compartmentalize, which, you know, in in Gabe's case, like you have to sort of shelf it for a moment and function. And I guess what I want listeners to know is that as long as you're doing it mindfully, like, you know, like, okay, for the next five hours, while I'm doing whatever I need to focus on whatever, but afterwards I'll go back and deal, feel and heal with whatever. But you want to make sure you actually do that because a lot of people are like, all right, this feels great. I'll just never deal with it. You know, put it off, procrastinate. So I think, yeah, I, I like how he shared that. That's, you know, deal, deal, feel and heal is a great mantra for like a t-shirt for therapists. I Maybe give be- that to credit to a former client that was in a group I ran. I will never forget um, so if you're listening, um, I, I use that all the time. I feel like you should trademark it. Yeah. One of my clients in a group that I was running said, you got to, because I was teaching a mindfulness, um, like being in the moment. He's like, yep, you got to feel it, deal with it. And then you heal from it. I'm like, oh my I, gosh. Yes. Mine, my personal one that I came up with is the three M's, which is what helps me get through life, which is medication, meditation, marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, mm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, wait, so question for you about compartmentalizing and, and this is, so what if a person, and this is not, this is not Gabe who did this, but in general, so you have to compartmentalize to get through, you know, your work day or a, an event or whatever it is, but then isn't it possible 
for somebody to compartmentalize so much that they end up like working more to avoid their feelings or, you know, then when, what is the fine line between compartmentalizing and avoiding? Right. Yeah. I think that's like, I probably didn't say it the best way, but earlier, like with, um, I think that's the, that's the problem is if you're going to compartmentalize, you have to make sure you actually go back and deal with it because I think what happens is people are like, Oh, I'm having, I'm in a good mood right now. Why do I want to go back and feel that pain or deal with whatever, you know? So I think that's the the tricky part. You have to actually somehow, you need to like write on a postie, like I'm going to go deal with my grief later on today after I do this big presentation at work or whatever. That's a you know? crazy postie. If you, if you walk into someone's <laughs> house and you saw a post-it note that said deal with your grief, but I guess whatever works. Also, I don't know if you can tell that I'm so stuffed up from allergies. Oh no. Okay. I feel like I'm talking like, oh, hello. Oh no, you um, don't sound nasally at all. I was now- choking on phlegm earlier. Um, oh. I'm sh- I don't know if anyone, it is such a mind fuck because every time I had allergy symptoms all year, I thought I had COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tangent that had nothing to do with this. I <laughs> that could be- Well, another thing I related to, I feel like you probably even related to it even more without getting too much into your personal life was um feeling like the peacemaker cuz he he mentioned that a little bit like yeah. growing up he felt like the peacemaker. I feel like you and I took times being the turns being the peacemaker probably you more so cuz you were the older sibling. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to somebody who's listening who finds himself trapped in the role of peacemaker? Cuz I feel like it's a really hard role to get out of and also is it even a is it even a negative to be the peacemaker? I mean again I think as long as you're mindful and aware I I think you know uh often I have clients say, you know, it's hard to say no to people. I don't want to disappoint people. So I think, right, you're in this role. It's, it feels good. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're negotiating peace or whatever, you know? Um, And then you're like, oh, I got to set a boundary here. This is draining. So I think to answer your question, yeah, it's nice to be helpful and supportive, but as long as you're not neglecting your own feelings and needs, that's when boundaries need to be set. Like I gotta, I gotta say, no, I gotta put myself first. I can't, you can't depend on me to, um, yeah, keep the peace basically. Okay, cool. Yeah. We should do a whole episode on boundaries. Cause I feel like that's something that yeah. I am still learning and practicing. Um, all right. I'm going to, I, so I feel like feel deal and heal to your mystery person <laughs> in the group, because that would be breaking confidentiality. Thank you for that. Uh, it should go on a bumper sticker. I can give them, you know, 50% or whatever. If we do that, um, anything, Anything else you want to share? Um, actually, you always ask me if I have anything to plug, and this time I actually do. Can oh, you yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I have another podcast I'm helping out with that just dropped today. It's called Vetted, um, and this one is more for transitioning veterans um, from military life to civilian life. So any veterans out there or family members are – listening. Um, this is a wonderful additional resource. So I'm um, just trying to help spread mental health <laughs> advice around the yes. pods. And the host of that is Nick Sanchez and uh, his partner, Trace. Yeah, the, it's they're awesome. Um, they told me about the show. I got so excited because I feel like it's such an important thing. And yeah, that's that's awesome. So vetted, where can I listen to it? iTunes, all those places. I think so. Yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure, but yeah, the most of them. 
you're going to become like the new like podcast ho, just like bopping <laughs> from pod <laughs> to pod, giving out advice. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> podcast ho. I'm clearly overtired. I've been be traveling. I know. We a po. Po, ho. <laughs> All right. We'll put that on a bumper sticker too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you are listening to it. And I will see you next week.